The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, verse 31. We've been in a series, Giving, Serving, Growing, and probably the biggest challenge that I really kind of face in my message preparation is to make sure that we are not equating our behaviors and our performance with God loving us or God being disappointed with us. Just so you know, God's love for you is unconditional. But what can happen is that we can begin to think, well, if I'm giving more, if I'm serving more, if I'm growing, then God's really going to love me. He's really going to be smiling upon me. And those are going to be the times when I'm going to be going, wow, man, look how what God's doing in my life. But if I'm not giving at the level that I should be, if I'm not serving, or if I'm really not growing at the level that I should, then God's going to be really disappointed with me. That's not the way God operates. God's not going to base his love towards you based upon your performance. Good performance or bad performance. Listen, you can sin, totally blow it, do the worst thing that you can think about, and it's God's not going to stop loving you. I know that for some of us, we were raised that that's not the way that it works, that God is kind of like, you know, vacillating back and forth between loving us a lot when we're doing well and, and being very disappointed, maybe even being angry with us when we're not doing well. But God's love is unconditional, meaning there aren't conditions on his love based upon what it is that we do. He's always going to love us. But I love what Billy Graham said, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay just the way you are. There's a process that we're going through, that we're growing. God wants to see us grow and mature. He wants us to see us develop into all that he's designed and created us to be. See, we're, we're kind of on a journey. We haven't arrived yet at all that God's designed and created us to be. We will know that we've arrived at what God's designed and created us to be the moment that we take our last breath here on this earth and we take our next breath in eternity. That's when we'll know. But until then, we recognize that we're in a process. And part of that development is the issue of stewardship, where we're managing the assets that God has given it to us to advance his kingdom. That's why last week we began looking in Matthew 25, if you have your Bibles there. But we began looking earlier in the passage where there's an illustration that Jesus begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is likened unto. And he begins talking about ten virgins, how five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. And what separated the wise from the foolish virgins was the issue of preparation. The preparation with their lamps, that they were managing the oil that had been entrusted to them so when the bridegroom showed up, they had enough oil to go be a part of the party. I always want to have enough oil so that I can be a part of the party. Amen? He also likened the kingdom of heaven to a man going off into a far-off country. And he gave to three of his servants, each according to their ability. Now, what that helps me recognize and understand is that, first of all, all of us are at different levels in our ability. Where we're at, you're on your own journey, but what I also believe is that we can grow in our ability. You may think, well, I'm just a one-talent person. You may think, I'm just a two-talent person. God wants to take you to a 5, 10, 15, 25, 30-talent person. But he gave each according to their ability. Now, two of these servants were faithful. 
the one had two talents. And talent is not a, a skill or an ability, it's actually money. He took the two talents and he produced four out of it. The one that had five talents produced ten out of it. So the, the stewards were faithful with what had been entrusted to them, but one of them was unfaithful. He did not take his master's money and begin to bring increase. In fact, the Bible says that he hid his master's money in the earth. Now listen to this. While God loves all of us unconditionally, the level of our faithfulness in steward what he's given to us determines the level we get to manage. Because God loves us, sometimes he can't release like he'd like to release to us because we aren't prepared or we don't have the ability yet to manage at that level. Now, now just so you know, I'm not talking about managing in the church. I'm not talking about you being the head usher or just being an usher. I'm talking about in your life right now, where you're at, God has you at a level, but he wants you to go to another level. God wants you to grow. God wants you to increase in your life personally. But the level that you're managing or the ability and skills that you're managing at right now, the faithfulness that you're managing at right now determines you going to the next level. And if you're picking up what I'm laying down, say amen. amen. So let me give you an illustration about this issue of stewardship that applies to both me and my boys as, as my boys were growing up. Now, I want to let you know that no earthly illustration can fully help us understand kingdom principles. Okay, they only can, because it's a finite understanding, we're dealing with an infinite God, but, but hopefully this will kind of help you wrap your mind around a little bit more this issue of stewardship. Now, I love my boys. Now, my boys are 17 and 22 years old, so now they are young men, but I love my boys. And can I tell you, I loved them even in the teenage years. Moms and dads, some of you are not there yet. You're going to know in just a few years what I'm talking about. Some of you have just gotten through that, and so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I love my boys. Now, I know that sometimes they think that I love one of them more than the other one. But I don't. I love them both the same. In fact, becoming a father was really the thing that helped me begin to wrap my mind around how perfectly God loves me. When I was just a son, I didn't really get it, but when I became a father, suddenly I began to understand a little bit the unconditional love that God operates in with us. Because while my love sometimes is conditional towards my boys, I don't mean for it to be, but sometimes I'm a little cutting. I'm not the way that I should be. My son's smiling on the front row. I'm not, I'm not the, the dad that I should be. For the most part, I try to operate in unconditional love. I want what is best for my boys. I don't want my boys just to be there just for me. I want what is best for, for my boys. And, and so in raising them, and as parents, this is what we do, we have to kind of evaluate how they're stewarding the things at the level that they're at. Because if we recognize they're, they're not doing well at the level that they're at, it means that we can't let them go to the next level. So what that means is that if you're at home and they're at home, and they're misbehaving really bad, you know that you can't leave, right? You know that you can't leave the house because they're going to probably misbehave. But once they begin to behave, they begin to do right things, and they begin to do all the right things, suddenly you're able to leave for five minutes. And I do suggest you take it in small increments as you go. But you, suddenly you can leave for five minutes and you come back and they didn't break everything in the house, right? Then you can leave for an hour. Then you can leave them when they're on a date. And then, boy, you know what? They can actually stay overnight. There's this level of, of understanding that they're walking in and being faithful in that takes them to the next level. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So 
It's interesting to watch the process. And maybe you're, as, you're, as I'm saying this, you're kind of identifying with the process. But like with my boys in this area of recreation, like when they started riding bikes. Now, my boys started out riding bikes with little bikes. In fact, I've got a bike here that's like it. It's not exactly the bike, but it's similar to the bike that they had. It's a bike that had training wheels on it. I'd like to pedal it around if I could, but I can't actually get the pedals and get my knees up high enough. But my boys would ride around on little bikes like this with training wheels. This was pretty fun. I'm telling you, it was a lot of fun. In fact, we used to travel full-time in ministry, and we'd take those with us on the road. We'd put them in the back of a trailer we carried, and we'd take them into the church or out on the parking lot. And our, our boys were learning how to ride with a bike like this. Now, at this level, what you're basically learning how to do is to start and stop. Right? I mean, that's about it. You don't have to worry about balance. But after a while, they get a little bored with the training wheels. And they begin to notice the bigger kids have bikes without training wheels, so they want to go to the next level. Now, if they don't know how to stop, they don't know how to start the bike, are you letting them go to the next level? No. But once they got that figured out, you think, okay, let's go to the next level. Let's see how they're doing with the two-wheeled bike. So I got another two-wheeled bike here today for us to understand how to ride the two-wheeled bike. Now, this Bike is not my boy's bike. This is my bike. And you can tell by the big cushiony seat that I have that now they're learning how to ride and they have to learn how to start and stop, but they also have to learn how to balance. Sometimes that's a little challenging to balance, isn't it? Especially when you're going really slow like I'm going right now. So when they learn at this level, now they're having to start, now they're having to stop, but they're also having to learn how to keep their balance. Now, if my sons are riding in our neighborhood and I constantly seeing them not being able to balance, falling over all the time, am I going to let them go to another level? No. I'm going to have to keep them right there. Because at the next level, it gets a little more difficult. In fact, the next level from this is motorized bikes, right? So let me just show you this real quick. This is the next level that my boys were able to go to, was the dirt bike. Motorized bikes, lots of fun. Lots of excitement. And yes, I'm going to ride it too. The front row people are freaking out. But luckily I passed this level. And I not only know how to start the bike. I not only know how to stop the bike. But I know how to balance the bike. And I'm figuring out some things dealing with the throttle. Now, if you've never actually ridden a dirt bike, I can explain it to you. Yeah, here's how you ride a bike. This is the gas. This is the clutch. You put it in gear. You let the clutch out slowly. But it's a lot more challenging than you actually think. Because the moment the bike takes off, everything that you thought you knew and understood, you totally forget. In fact, last year, we were teaching Ella how to ride a little Honda 50. And we were putting her on that bike, and so my, my brother Neil's teaching her how to do this. He's explaining everything to her. Here's the brake. You know how to ride a bike now. You're balancing. Here's the gas, all this type of stuff. She gets on the bike, and she takes off, and she's got it full throttle. And I can tell from the look on her face, because my brother Neil is, is the one letting her go. I'm down at the other end keeping an eye on her, and I can tell from the look on her face, she has totally forgotten everything. If you probably said, what's your name? She'd probably go, I don't know. She's totally freaking out. So the hero that I am, she comes riding by me and I reach up and grab Ella right off the motorcycle. The motorcycle goes and crashes. She hasn't been on a bike since. <laughs> because the deal is, is that you have to learn at this level how to function, how to, how to steward 
at this level. Because you see, as fun as this level is, this is not the last level that my boys are going to go to, unless Meemaw has something to say about it. But there's another level that we get to go to. We get to move from beyond the street, the dirt bikes to the street bikes. We get to move from the Honda to the Harley. And all the Harley people said amen. And in that... The light's a little bright. Now, how many of you understand that I'm going to let my boys ride at a level like this, away from traffic, if they're going to be okay with understanding how to steward at this level? But if they can't do this, I'm never going to let them get to this. Can I tell you, this is more fun than this. In fact, this a few weeks ago, my brothers and I, uh, two of my other brothers, uh, Neil, that you guys know, and my brother Phil, that pastors a church in the Dallas area, the three of us went on a motorcycle trip up to see my brother up in Colorado, and we got to ride in some of the most beautiful country. I mean, it was just amazing. It was incredible fun. And, and that, that level is more fun than this level. In fact, can I tell you, if you came into my neighborhood and you saw my 22-year-old or 17-year-old son riding this, would you kind of go, that is so cool? Man, that guy is a cool guy, right? <laughs> no, we, we would be looking at that and we'd be going, man, what on earth is happening? Did that, little, did that guy just steal that bike, right? That's what we'd be thinking. Listen, there's absolutely no way that I would have allowed my boys to start off on a street bike. I, w- I wouldn't let my eight-year-old son go get over on this Harley and say, hey, just do the best you can. I, I wouldn't have started there. In fact, most of us would look at that and we'd say, Pastor Richie, you better not let those kids start on like that or I'm going to report you to Child Protective Services, right? Because we recognized that they couldn't handle it. Now, as an eight-year-old, he may think that he can handle it. You know what I'm talking about? You talk to your kids and you're talking about things that they should do and shouldn't do and they're like, oh, Dad, I can handle it. I got it. We know that they can't handle it, right? And so we wouldn't let them do it. So sometimes we have to get to a point where, first of all, we know they can handle it, but they actually have to get to a point where they know that they can handle it. See, that's how it is with the things that we're stewarding for God. Our faithfulness for where we're at brings promotion to the next level. Now, we have a tendency to think, God, if you'll just promote me now, then I'll be faithful, but it doesn't work that way. The faithfulness for where we're at right here brings promotion to this level. The faithfulness we have when we're right here brings promotion to this level. The faithfulness that we have at this level brings promotion to this level, all the way to the street bike. It's our faithfulness that determines our promotion. See, that's how it is with the things that we're stewarding for God. Look at the illustration again that Jesus gave in Matthew 25 and what he said about the faithful servants when he said this, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over a few things. No, I will make you a ruler over many things. God is a God of increase. The reason why we get so bored in Christianity and the way, reason why we want to give up on Christianity is because we're still on this level when God is already saying, by this time I would like for you to be at this level. God's a God of increase. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
I'm telling you if, you, if you're missing joy, for some of you, it's because there's more that God has for you. And you have this deep, deep understanding inside of you where you recognize, God, I know that you've got more for me. Why are we not getting there? Could it be an issue of faithfulness where you're at right now? But notice also what he says to the servant or steward who was unfaithful. He calls him a wicked and lazy servant. He said, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. See, so we see very clearly the benefit that we receive when we are faithful in stewarding the things that God has placed in our hands. So my question for you today is, are you being faithful in the area of giving? Are you being faithful in the area of serving? Now, I'm not asking these questions today to make you feel bad. I'm not asking these questions for in any way, leave this service and go, oh man, Pastor Richie preached today, man, he stepped all over my toes, all right? I'm not doing that. I'm doing it for you and I to evaluate where we're at and to say, God, am I being faithful right here? There's skills, there's talents, there's abilities that God has put inside of every one of you. Every one of you here today are talented and gifted. You are a part of this body. And as a part of this body, it's time that we function as a body together. That we are collectively giving, that we are collectively serving, that we are collectively stewarding the resources that God is putting into our hands. So in light of this issue of stewardship, let's continue on in Matthew 25 today as we continue to look at this stewardship in the kingdom of God. Verse 31, if you have your Bibles there, say amen. amen. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, he's telling the third illustration, by the way, in this chapter. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So he's dividing the sheep from the goats. Now, the thing that we want to figure out is, do we want to be a sheep or do we want to be a goat because we don't want to be in the wrong flock, right? Verse 33, and he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. So let's figure out what's going on the right with the sheep. Left with the goats. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. So now I know I want to be on the right. Right? It's not a political statement. I just want to be on the right here in this passage. I want to be on the blessed side. Amen? I want to be one of the sheep that are on the right. But notice what he says about the ones that are on the right. These are the ones that are stewarding or managing the assets of his affairs. Here's what he says. There was someone hungry, and you gave them food. Someone was thirsty, you gave them a drink. Someone was a stranger, and you took them in. Someone was naked, you clothed them. Someone was sick, you visited them. Someone was in prison, and you went to them. Now listen. Just so you know, Jesus is not trying to create an exhaustive list. He's just starting the list. It's not just do these six things and then you got it down. He goes on there to say that I was depressed and you came and shared the love and hope of Jesus Christ with me. I believe that's what God would say to us today. You, you, I was sad and dealing with heaviness and you greeted me at the church door with words of joy. You greeted me with a smile. Let me just ask you this. Can you look up at me and just kind of smile like this real quick? 
Let me see you all smile. Those are great smiles. Y'all qualify to be greeters here at our church. If you can do that, you can be a greeter at our church. I was, I was feeling depressed and needed some joy, and you came and gave me an encouraging word. Listen to this. I was broken. You taught me how to steward money wisely. I needed to know that I could make it, and you told me, came and told me that I was more than a conqueror. I didn't understand the word of God, but you taught children's ministry and taught me the word of God. I didn't know the word of God, but you taught student ministry and taught me the word of God. I didn't understand how to open up my Bible, but I got in a connect group, and you led the connect group and taught me the word of God. Listen, we could go on and on and on with every conceivable life-giving word and action all the different ways that we could minister the love and hope of Jesus to people. Because the ministry of love and hope that the world's need is unlimited. Come on, just think about your work for a moment. How many people at your work need the love and hope of Jesus Christ? There are people sitting around you right now that need the love and hope of Jesus Christ. And the great thing about it is the love and hope that you and I have to give away is limitless. When you give your life away, you don't... You don't experience loss all you do is experience room for God to put more inside of you it's limitless but notice what he says about the sheep they are the righteous ones who accepted the management over the affairs of God can you begin to grasp that you get to manage the affairs of God again I'm not talking about just something here in the church I'm talking about in your life we get to manage the affairs of God they're the ones who are accepting this management responsibility. They're the ones that are going to be blessed because they are stewarding the resources and bringing increase into the lives of others. Now, we're not really sure if we like that because we're not sure that we like the cost. See, again, we're still thinking of giving and serving as loss. But God is saying, I'm putting things in your hand so that you can carry out the affairs of the kingdom. I'm not just putting things in your hand so that you can hide it in the earth. For those of you that have just started coming to this church, and it's because you, and, and as you're coming, you're broken, there's a lot of things that have gone wrong in your life, just come sit, be a part. Seriously, I, I'm not being, I'm not joking in any way, you just come sit, let life be poured into you. But for those of you that have been here for a while, there's some abilities that God has put inside of you, and it's time that we start bringing increase into the lives of other people. You're gifted some way. You've got a talent. You've got something inside of you that other people need to see. They need to know. They need to understand things that you've walked through. There are things that you have walked through that you will run into somebody that only you could have ministered that thing to them because I couldn't have done it because I hadn't walked through the thing that you walked through. There's increase that's coming into other people's lives. But watch this because this is the cool thing. Increase starts coming to our life also. When you begin to increase others, God begins to increase you. Look at this again at verse 29 of Matthew 25. For to everyone who has more will be given, and he will have an abundance. We are God's hand and feet. We are, we are the expression of the love of God into a world. We are managers, and we are managing his affairs. Let's take care of God's affairs, and he will take care of you. Because if he can get resources through you, he'll get resources to you. See, sometimes we don't realize how the kingdom of God works. We don't understand that when we're ministering to one another, we're ministering to God. We keep thinking, I want to just give my money to God. When we give our money to help other people, we're giving our money to God. 
I want to give my time to God. When we give our mind, our time to serve and help other people, we're giving our time to God. When we give our energy to, to come early, to show up early, to prepare so that when people walk through the door, we've kind of got our minds wrapped around the fact that we had a fight with our spouse on the way to church. I mention that a lot, don't I? We've had a difficult time with the kids on the way to church. Have you noticed that? How, how often a kid will mess in his britches when you're on the way to church. And sometimes we come, we're a little frazzled. And if we just get here right on time, last minute, we're all frazzled. We're going to be frazzled with everyone coming in. But if we get here a little bit early, giving some energy to God. We didn't party till 10 o'clock. Oh, what's up? That's me. We didn't party till 2 o'clock in the morning and then cut, try to drag into church. We came with energy. To minister the love and hope of Jesus Christ to people. Those resources are in you. Watch, watch the response. See, sometimes, again, we don't understand that when we're ministering to one another, we're actually ministering to God. Watch the response. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So every time we minister to someone right now in this lifetime, Jesus is saying that when you did it unto them, you did it unto me. That's the gospel. We get a part, we get to be a part of the gospel. We get to be a part of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we have decided as our purpose statement that we are a community that is dedicated. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you have to dedicate yourself because you've had a tough week or you've had some things distracting you and you've got to dedicate yourself. But we're a community that's dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. It's not something we've thrown up on the wall going, that's kind of cute. We're dedicated to it. Are you dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ? Are you managing the resources, the time, the talent, the energy that God has put inside of you? See, Christianity isn't just about coming to church, singing a few songs, hearing a great message, and then going back to your real life. It's about you understanding the gifts and talents and the resources that God has given you. And again, even some of the junk that you've walked through and minister life to others. See, it's time we quit just coming to church and start being the church. Now, I am telling you still come to church, okay? I'm not saying, oh, Pastor Richie said don't come. No, I'm saying don't, coming just to church and start being the church. Understand that the church is not what we do. It's not a service. It's who we are. We are the church. It's time the church got out of the four walls, that we came on Sunday. We got encouraged, that you were giving encouragement to someone else. I was getting encouragement from you. I was encouraging you. And encouragement's going on, and we go out, and we begin to say, where is that devil Man, I'm sick and tired of him jacking with my workplace. I'm sick and tired of him jacking with my friends at work. Man, I'm going to go out and be the love and hope of Jesus Christ. We've got gifts inside of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got gifts inside of you. You've got talent. Come on. No, 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 seriously. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got gifts inside of you. They might need to hear that. They may not know that. We've got gifts inside of us. See, we need to stop seeing ministry as just what happens on the platform. Understand, we're coming today to be encouraged, to encourage one another, to minister effectively as a congregation. But we've got to get outside of these four walls. Let's manage God's affairs. Let's watch what happens to those on the left. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed. Wow. 
into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, just so you know, Jesus is not giving us this illustration so that we will try to work and earn our way into heaven. It's not why he's doing it. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been redeemed from the curse. And because of that, though, Jesus is showing us, though, the serious nature of being a steward. He's showing us the serious nature of managing the affairs of God's kingdom. That the resources that God has given to you, your time, your energy, your talents, should be focused on those things that are eternal, not just on things that are temporal. You are a spirit being. You come in contact all the time with people that are spirit beings. And their spirit man is the one that's going to live forever. It's their spirit man that first of all gets born again. So we need to start focusing on things that are eternal, not just on things that are temporal. And if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Let me say that again. If God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If you'll use his resources to manage God's kingdom, he'll get it to you. And when that happens, just so you know, you'll have more than enough left over. God's not looking for you just to kind of barely get by and barely have enough. That's why in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul talks about this, God's desire to bless you. And he's talking to the church and he's saying this, you will be made rich. Seven of you. You will be made rich. You want to grab a hold of this today? Anybody need a little bit of cash? You will be made rich. That Greek word there means to be wealthy. It's talking about possessions and money. In every way. Here's why. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul was about ready to receive an offering from them. And he's saying, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What is the result through their generosity? What's the result through our generosity as we're stewarding the kingdom of God? Thanksgiving to God. People are going to be thinking, listen, have you ever helped someone out that you probably, if you were just guessing, you weren't being judgmental, but you were guessing, I don't think this person's a follower of Jesus Christ, but you gave them a little bit of money, gave them a little bit of food. What did they typically say to you? God bless you. It's, it's the result is thanksgiving to God. You are blessed. Just so, just in case you didn't know that if you're an American here today, you are blessed. If you live in this great country of ours, a country that was founded on biblical principles, and because of that, we know blessing like no other nation in the world. And you are blessed today. You are blessed, but you are blessed to be blessed and to be able to be a blessing to others so that you can be generous on all occasion. It is not selfish to want to be blessed. I know that we've been taught that. I know that we've been taught, oh, no, let's not, let's not. Focus on money. Listen, money's not the issue. It's the love of money. It's when money becomes our God. And you can have lots of money and it be your God, or you can have no money and it be your God. But when we get focused on God being our God, the resources that he blesses us with empowers us to bless others. It is not wrong for you to be blessed. 
Hear me say that again. It is not wrong for you to be blessed because the level that you're blessed is the level that you're able to be a blessing to others. Listen, I know from time to time we, we, we're involved maybe in this capital campaign and we're thinking what we would like to do. Or there's a, there's a, a friend of ours, I was talking with a, a friend last night and he was just talking about a friend of theirs that needed a washer and dryer and he said, man, I just wish I had the money right now just to be able to go buy him a washer and dryer. Listen, when we begin to be blessed at those kinds of levels, we can use front pocket money. I'm not talking about having to get in our billfold and even write a check. We can reach in our front pocket and pull out a little bit of money and say, hey, go buy yourself a washer. Go buy yourself a dryer. I want you to know how God's blessed me so much. Let me just tell you, I want to be a blessing to you. The level that you and I are blessed is the level we're able to be a blessing to others. Is this making sense today? Are we beginning to understand the importance of us learning how to steward where we're at right now? Listen, you may not even be on a bike yet. You, you, may, you may not even have ever gotten on a bike and you've even started the process of stewardship. You, you may be way over here. Wherever you're at, listen, today is your day. Today is a day of increase in your life. If you'll learn how to steward all the things that God's placing in your heart and life and begin to steward those things for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Listen, that doesn't mean that you have to give away everything and you become broke. Not saying that. Even with this capital campaign, we're asking you to pray about what God would have you to do. But when we learn to steward that, it takes us to the next level. Let me, I know some of you still are challenged with this. Try it. That's why in Malachi chapter 3, God says to test me in this on the issue of the tithe. The 10% that we bring back to the Lord that belongs to him. He says test me in this. Now just so you know, he didn't say try it. He did say, test me in this. And what that means is that when you start doing that, and the challenge comes to the blessing that God's putting on your life, you begin to go to God and say, God, here's what you promised me in your word. You said that if I tithe, that you will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, I won't be able to contain it. So God, I'm testing you right now, saying, God, I need this showing up in my life. I need it happening in my life. Listen, when you understand how perfectly God loves you and that he loves you as his one and only child, I want you to know that you begin to recognize that you can go boldly to the throne room of grace, the Bible says. And you can begin to say, God, here's what's going on in my life. This is your stuff. You own it all. I'm trusting you, God, with where, where I'm at today. Stewardship. Are we ready to take the next step? I pray that you are. Let me just pray over you this morning. Again, I, I pray today that you have not felt condemned or beat up in any way and if you you have I do apologize for that but I know this issue of money is challenging for us it, this issue of our time even is very challenging for us we live in a world that is so busy our kids are in, involved in 42 different sports we're, we're involved in so many different clubs we're running crazy I know sometimes our energy we give so much energy at work or into our spouse or into other people that we come and we feel like we have nothing left over for God I'm here today to tell you Stewarding the resources that God has placed in your hand is the greatest decision and choice that you could ever make. God loves it when you call out to Him. See, we're not ever fighting for victory as children of God. We're always fighting from a position of victory. That's why Ephesians tells us when we're putting on the armor of God that we are to stand. We're already on ground, victory ground. God's already brought the victory for you. You're, you're standing on victory ground today. 
You just have to start standing and saying, God, I'm not letting the devil take this. I'm taking up the shield of faith. I, I don't get what's going on. I don't understand what's going on. But by faith, the substance of things hoped for, even when the evidence of the things are not yet seen, God, I'm trusting what your word says. I'm standing on your word for healing. I'm standing on your word for financial breakthrough. I'm standing on your word for my children to come back to God. I'm standing on your word for my marriage to be what it is that you've designed and created us to be. I'm standing on your word, God, that I'm more than a conqueror even when I feel defeated. Having done all to stand, you just stand. It's a life of faith. And part of that life of faith is a stewardship issue. Of us saying, God, you're first and best in my life. You're not the leftover stuff. You're first and best. So Father, I pray over us today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.